From Philadelphia Young Playwrights, this is Mouthful. I'm Trinae Nuri. Every week, we'll be having a complicated conversation with a young person about the things that matter to them, things that they have written about and shared on stages across the city. And then we'll go out into the community and talk to teens, adults, experts, anyone who can broaden the conversation. Do you worry that you and your family might be deported? All the time. What does it mean to be Muslim in America? Because I think at one point he made a claim of, I don't care if you're naturalized or whatever, you don't belong here, you're leaving when I become president. I am a naturalized citizen. So we would have the conversation with our kids, you know, what does he consider an immigrant? Am I considered an immigrant because I wasn't born here? This is going to be a very personal episode about growing up and parenting in the current political climate as a Muslim. I'm a paralegal in an immigration firm. At this point, as long as he's in power, anything can happen. For the first time on Mouthful, we talked to a student and their parent. And we have to look at the Muslims and we have to do something. We cannot stand by and be the stupid people while our country is destroyed. This is Who Am I? by Ruya Erkut. says he's going to send us away. Send us all away. It doesn't matter who. It could be one of our fellow students, a close friend, like Fatma. Are we terrorists? Being a terrorist is is a choice, not a, a religion or culture that defines us or includes all of us. This is not who I am, who Fatma is, or any of us are. Fatma shouldn't have been attacked that day. She was just taking her little brother home, stuck here, barely alive. And that one night shouldn't have changed her entire life. What was her crime? That she covered her head? That's what made her a dumb terrorist bitch, right? Did I get away with it because I don't cover my head? But honestly, I don't know where I stand in any of this. I am perceived differently because I don't look or dress Muslim or Middle Eastern. I don't speak Arabic like Fatma, who is very religious. Who am I? I don't know. Am I bright like the wax in these candles lit by the flame? Am I deep and rich like this night, a sun-kissed glow? Am I orange like the flame itself, or yellow like the light emitted against the flowers? What do you think? I could be anything. Italian, 
Asian, Hispanic, anything but what I am. What Fatma is. A Turkish Muslim. Now that you know who I am, should, should I be afraid? Do you see me differently? Do you fear me? I want to be seen as who I, as who I am, but does that mean that I have to leave? What, what about my parents? They're citizens. Are they still immigrants? Are we who the travel ban is for? I mean, if, if all immigrants get deported, then everyone who came after 1492 needs to go. Will there be no more problems if we're all gone? Who will be next? Jews, Latinos, Asians. Will he pick on the LGBTQ? Women? The disabled? What new issue will he find? Our being gone will not end the problem. Am I bad? Can you tell me? Have I done something wrong? Why do people hate and judge all of us no matter what? I do well in life. I don't do anything to disturb anyone. Do I deserve this? Did Fatma deserve to be left in that alley to die? Tell me. Look at me. Look at me! Do I have to cover my hair and scream things about ISIS and Allah for you to listen? We are not all the same. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Who am I? What is wrong with me? Somebody, please tell me. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. How to be me. Can you please, please tell me who I am? Do not tell me that I should cover my hair up and change. I will not. Do not tell me how pale I am and that I look like you. I'm not you. I am a mix of my parents' heritage and my American upbringing. Call me a terrorist. Call me your friend, but I am me. Try deporting us. You can't take what is rightfully ours. I deserve the life that I have, the life that my parents have legally worked hard for and are proud of, and I will make sure that I keep it. 
just fight. Fight the wind. Fight the gusts. Fight the blows. Because if you get through the trouble, you only come out stronger. Who am I? Ruya Urkut. Turkish. a woman just me so cover some heavy issues in this monologue. Um, Mouthful producer Mitchell Bloom and I talked with Ruya a few weeks back. Is this something that you wrote from a personal experience or something that you're just observing? Um, It's a mix of both in that I have a lot of friends who are religious. Like I'm a Turkish Muslim, but I don't practice it whatsoever. And no one ever notices it from me. So it's a mixture of me talking with my friends and them sharing their experiences and also the xenophobia in the news and all the Islamophobia that's portrayed. Let's talk about the media and like what you see. How are Muslims portrayed in your eyes? Well, a lot of channels try to like show what Trump has been saying or has quoted during his campaign, for example. And then they say, like, this is not true. You know, Muslims aren't terrorists. They aren't related. It's still, there. no one really talks about it, which is why I wrote the monologue. And, like, the media seeing all that these people can say and how much it changes people's views really frightened me. And I wanted people to understand that, like, we're all human and that, we're not any different. So, Fatma, she's attacked. Mm-hmm. Why was that important to put in your monologue? Um, because although I haven't had any friends who have been attacked, but a lot of times have been followed home and almost have been attacked. And so, Fatma is a fictional character, but she basically resembles a lot of my friends who our religion get all the dirty glares and just kind of explains like what could be the worst point that it could get to if this keeps happening. And you made it important to talk about that Fatma was covered. Why was that important to add? It was important to add because again no one no, no one sees that I'm Turkish or that I'm Muslim. I'm pale compared to other Middle Easterns. I have like the thick Middle Eastern eyebrows and I have brown hair, brown eyes. Like I don't do anything to cover anything up. So I had to add that detail to express that like I'm not treated the same as my friends are and I find that unfair. Once when I was in the subway my friend had told me that a couple days before she was taking her little brother home, which is one of the details I included, someone said like oh you're a, like you're a Muslim. You're such a terroristic bitch, and I found that very hurtful. And no one realizes like how deep it can get when it comes to like calling someone that or attacking someone like that. 
What did you say to comfort your friend? Uh, I told her that because we ride, we rode the subway every day together, if she, you know, needed to hold my hand, if she needed to talk to me to let me know, um, or we could go to a counselor and that she, she knows who she is and that she knows that she's not this way. So she can just say, okay, like you think that and then walk away. But if someone, you know, tries to attack her, then she knows how to defend herself and that it's okay that like you have the right to defend yourself throughout the monologue the the speaker is questioning her identity mm-hmm. she keeps asking like who am i i don't even know why did you have your character kind of like go back and forth with herself well this monologue was written as a soliloquy so as she's reacting to all that's going on she's kind of confused because she knows like who she she knows she was born this way but she feels like she's being lied to or like she has to associate herself in one of these ways because you know people see her as white or latina no one sees her as a turkish muslim and she feels like she has the right to be perceived that way she doesn't want advantages what do you mean by that well I mean, it, let's say, you know, Trump starts supporting everyone and he just asks, are you Muslim? Like, he doesn't look at any, like, official papers. He just goes to people's houses and asks, are you Muslim? Are you an immigrant? Like, if he just looks at me, he's going to think I'm fine and I'm white and I'm, I can stay and I'm okay. Um, but if he hears, like, I'm Turkish Muslim, then he's going to be surprised and then be like, buy you're out. So, a lot of my friends will joke around about, like, Oh, you don't have to worry. Like, you you look white. You're fine. My friends who are Muslim were saying, like, Oh, I may have to go back to my home country. And then they were saying, like, Oh, you'll be fine. You get to stay because you look white. And I'm like, No, no. Still, still Turkish Muslim. Still me. Can you tell me a little bit about your family? And, like, when when they moved to the States? My, all my family is Turkish. Born and raised in Turkey. And then when my mom was born... They moved, and then when my mom married my dad, into, um, they met in Turkey and then came to America. So, we, and we visit Turkey a lot, so we're very connected to our heritage and who we are. And I've asked about our religion from a young age, and they said, we're Muslim, we don't practice it, but that's how we were, what we were born into. When were you born? 2003. Do you worry that you and your family might be deported? All the time. Um, especially, you know, when Trump first started making the, plea, the claim of I'm deporting everyone, because I, I think at one point he made a claim of, I don't care if you're naturalized or whatever, you don't belong here, you are, you're leaving when I become president. And that really scared me, because, like, everything we've worked for is lost. And, like, right now in Turkey, it's not any better. So, really, it's not going to help me. And, I mean, I have to, we have to rebuild our whole lives. And, I mean, we're just being shamed for living our lives. And so, and, like, my dad came when he married my mom. My mom came when she was a child. And although that was a while ago and, you know, they've established their lives here, it's just kind of like, well, we don't care. You're, you're leaving. I'm Ebru Erhan Erkut. That's Roya's mother. 
I am, I guess you would say, a Turkish-American. I uh, came to the United States when I was three years old, uh, but spent all my summers in Turkey, three months every year, and even as a young adult, worked there for three years. So I'm definitely binational. <laughs> so tell us your reactions to the monologue. Um, I didn't know Riyal was feeling or uh, experienced what she did um, uh, and what she saw. Um, it It's such a contrast from what I... The times have changed so much uh, and what being a Muslim is has changed so much in the last 40 years. I find that very striking and sad in some ways. Tell me, how has it changed? Being the the grandchildren of Turks who lived through the modernization of Turkey and Islam and being freed of the fez and women being freed of the head coverings, uh, we grew up in a very secular uh, environment. I mean, we, we, were, we identify as Muslim. We... Um, we weren't practicing, heavily practicing, but now it seems that in this country in particular, if you're a Muslim, you're expected to wear a head covering, carry certain names. My children are questioned if they're Muslim because their names are not names from the Quran, you know, Muhammad or Ahmed, or whereas uh, because they're coloring, you know, they're too light-skinned to be Muslim. So I just find it interesting, because uh, I grew up in this country as a Muslim. People knew I was, but no one questioned why I wasn't, why my head wasn't covered, or what I was eating. So I feel, see those contrasts. I don't know when in the last 40 years you became not considered not Muslim if you didn't dress a certain way. I don't know when that transition happened, probably in the last 20 years, or maybe after 9-11. I don't even know. Mitchell did ask the question to your daughter because uh-huh. um, we we said when were you born? She said two thousand three, uh-huh. and that was after nine eleven. Yeah. So she didn't grow up in the world pre nine eleven. That's right. I get uh, my brother is fourteen years my junior, so I don't recall him uh, ever talking about feeling or experiencing what my kids are. So he went to high school in the early nineties. So th- I definitely think 9-11 was a key factor uh, about how we judge people based on the way they look, whether it's dark hair and beard. Um, I mean, when I was growing up, most people thought I was Jewish because of my nose. No one ever thought of asking me if I was Muslim. I don't know if there just there wasn't enough known, or once again, I didn't fit the stereotypical Muslim because uh, my skin wasn't dark enough. I don't know. Um, do you know family members or friends or associates who've been attacked because they've been Muslim, they're Muslim? Um, no, I don't. But I do know that a close friend of Riyadh's last year, who uh, I think she's Pakistani and covers up, I think she was referring to some of the things that that young lady experienced. She wasn't physically hurt or anything. And she also, and I think she mentioned seeing kids who come with backpacks and the, the assumption that's made even by the police who are monitoring their entrance. So she sees it um, probably more because, once again, 
they're usually the students who are covered up in some regard, whether it's their hair or they're wearing more. I just think it's a conglomeration of the, what she's seen. It's How are you empowering empowering her, though? Um, oh God. Uh, just trying to guide her to um, learn to love and respect who she is. It doesn't really matter what other people think and those who judge us without knowing us. Uh, because you could go crazy if you worry about what everyone thinks. Is it? Unfortunately, we're in a stage that there is no filter. Everyone feels that they can uh, comment about everything. And it's not due to Trump. It's just the youth. I think there's just, people are just more open. And um, so just really... You know, what, I can't live with her and protect her, but I just keep trying to remind her um, that, you know, all of this chatter around her has nothing to do with her. You know, we're all, indiv- we're all different. We all different, experience different things. And, um, and, you know, to just try to uh, shield herself mostly from it. I don't know what else to do because it's never-ending. It really is. A lot of what Rhea uh, expressed to us was around Trump. I mean, the, the monologue yes, launches yes, yes. from a, a Trump speech. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about it. I'm in immigration, so... Um, what when, do you mean by that? Uh, I'm a paralegal in an immigration firm. My mother was an immigration attorney, um, and I work, started working with her uh, before she passed away, and I've continued. And um, So we talk about it from not just a... Um, what's going to happen to immigrants, uh, but as also, I am a naturalized citizen. So we would have the conversation with our kids, you know, what is an, what does he consider an immigrant? Am I considered an immigrant because I wasn't born here? They're, they have they are starting to take uh, citizenship away from people who they are now r- digging into their cases and seeing if something was missed. So becoming a citizen is not a guarantee in any capacity, and what is the definition of an immigrant? So in that context, we discussed, and hence her thinking about it, yeah. you know, losing her, possibly losing her parents, if things continue to go. <laughs> Do you worry that that could happen? Um, I pray every day that something's going to come up and they're going to remove him from power before anything serious happens. But we're seeing every day big changes in immigration, and it's happening really, really quietly behind. You know, while all this uh, noise is happening with Trump's, you know, know, activities, Pence and and the DOJ are doing all this stuff in the background, and their cases are taking longer, and they're thinking of... uh, just deporting people whose cases have taken two or three years without even um, bringing you know them to in front of a judge. So there's a lot of stuff happening that we don't hear about. So anything at this point, as long as he's in power, anything can happen. The part where you talk about the candle, my flame flickers, but will only grow. All I have to do is to fight the wind, fight the gusts and blows, because if you get through the trouble, you only come out stronger. 
explain that to me. So this monologue takes place in the hospital room with Fatima. So basically they're, um, people have left candles and flowers for her, for her support while she's resting in the hospital. So I'm taking this flame and I'm looking at it as I'm thinking. And basically like a flame will flicker if there's wind. And you know, like if you are hit, like if someone punches you, you are taken aback. So in a sense, if you're the flame and a wind is a punch, you get hit and you flicker. But at the same time, the wind will fuel the flame to fight back. So basically learning to go through the pain and accept it and fight back and learn to say like, no, this is who I am and this is okay. And then you come out stronger and you find the light in the darkness in the end. That's beautiful. Thank you to Ruya and Ebru for the conversations. It was an honor to have the writer and their parent share their perspectives on this week's conversation. If you have anything you would like to share, let us know. Send us a tweet at Philly. I'm Trinae Nuri. Thanks for listening. Hey, Mouthful listeners, Mitchell here. There are only two more episodes left in our second season. The final episode will be recorded live on Wednesday, June 6th, and we'd love to have you in the audience. We'll be discussing a monologue about gun violence in the city called Restore My Brotherly Love. The event begins at 4.30 at the U School in North Philadelphia. Best of all, it's free. For more information to RSVP and to listen to the monologue, visit mouthfulpodcastphilly.com slash mouthful-live. That's mouthfulpodcastphilly.com slash mouthful-live. Don't forget about that tricky little dash. Hope to see you there. Mouthful is produced by Lisa Nelson Haynes, Trinae Nuree, and Mitchell Bloom, that's me, for Philadelphia Young Playwrights. PYP is an arts education nonprofit that taps the potential of youth and inspires learning through playwriting. Original music for Mouthful was created by Ill Dutes. To join the Ill movement, head on over to illdutes.com. That's I L L D O O T S.com. For episode extras and more information, visit mouthfulpodcastphilly.com. That's mouthfulpodcastphilly.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Mouthful is edited by yours truly.